to the book of Proverbs, chapter 28. Let's give a little shout this morning because of the word. Amen. Praise God. We always shout when the word comes out. If you ever wondered what they were all hollering about, the first scripture that comes out, we holler just a little, just to let the Lord know that we're here and we're ready. Well, I, I tell you, we got some things going. This is our, this is my fifth Sunday to be talking about some things that we began on Father's Day. Uh, the story on that historically is that got up with a message. We were talking about Zoe life and was in number four or five of that series. And all of a sudden, and the Lord had the day before told me, said, when's the last time you did something for the first time in church? And it was a very provoking word. When is the last time you did something for the first time in church? And so I was, you know, meditating that and mulling that over, but I already had my lesson. I already had what I was going to do. Bless God, we're in here. We got it. There's nothing going to interrupt this. <laughs> and so I just shared that as a byword, and we haven't been back since. And went to Clanton, Alabama last Sunday uh, morning and evening. Appreciate uh, uh, y'all just being here. And, you know, we, we came for the word, not for somebody. We came for the word, so it doesn't really matter who's up here if they can minister the word. So we appreciate Brother Eric and, and of course, Miss Debbie ministering on Sunday. But uh, Proverbs 28.1, we'll put this in context because it, it, it talks about these very things as your life, even though it's Old Testament. Verse 1, let's read it together. I'm in King James. Do the best you can. Ready, read. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. How many righteous in here this morning? Well... It says there that you, righteous, are bold, so bold. How bold? Bold as a lion. The, the lion has no peers, has no enemies. He can do anything. If he wants to take three-week vacation, he doesn't have to check in. He's the boss. If he, if he wants chocolate syrup on his bananas, he can, you know, he's the boss. So he's bold. And the Bible says you are bold because you are righteous. I'm bold. Say it with me. I'm bold. You're bold. You're uninhibited. You're not afraid. You ain't scared. <laughs> that ought to put it local. Hallelujah. We're bold. So anything the Lord brings apart uh, into our life, we react to it boldly. There's nothing passive about our lives. We are here on fire. We are not here as spectators. Well, I'm just looking in. No, we, we are the event. We are the main event. This is what heaven's looking at is the righteous down here on earth taking care of kingdom business. People say, I hate to bother God because he's got so many people in China that he's messing with and he's got hungry here and he's got, uh, you know. No, 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 no. You are on his mind. You are what he's paying attention to. You're what he's consumed with in heaven. It's nothing else going on except to get you and I right because we are who he is using in the earth to get all these other situations fixed. He's not real busy with other things. He's real busy with you and I, and we're busy with other things. So the Bible says the wicked, the sinner, they flee. They're afraid. So have you ever known a Christian to act like a sinner? Just that they were, they were afraid. They were, they were intimidated. They say, oh, I'm shy. I just don't do that, you know. Um, I remember a pastor one time called on my mother at First Church years and years ago. Just out of the blue, it was a rocket came into the room, and he asked her, my mother, who used to be a wallflower when, you know, just wouldn't even come out of the house, asked her to stand up and dismiss the service. Woo, she did it, I think. That's what I heard. 
but she had fire in her eyes after that, you know, because she was shy. She wasn't bold. She wasn't the one to call on. And I think some of y'all would probably relate to that. Hallelujah. And I'm just looking across Holy Ghost. Who, who, who will dismiss his service? <laughs> you, know that, you know what that does? It makes everybody look at their shoes at the end of the service. Good shoes. Need to polish that one a little bit. Woo, shoes. And as soon as he says, John, which we don't even do this. I'm just messing with you. Amen. So the question we've got to ask this morning again is when is the last time? When is the, when you can go back, when's the last time you did, say not thinking, say it better, not thinking, when's the last time you did something for the very first time? Well, I've never done that. Thought about it, looked at it, enjoyed others doing it. What Brother Hagin talked about is a slopped over blessing. Just got so happy because somebody got happy, but you went home without it. Well, the first time we found out in these weeks gone by, the first time is the most important time for anything, it sets, or excuse me, it resets the boundaries of your life. When you do something for the first time, it takes a border and a boundary and a, and a fence line, as it were, and it changes it, it moves it out. All of a sudden, you have access to places and things and people that you did not, even though it's not related to them, because you did something for the first time. It's called faith. It's called stepping out. It's, calling, it's called calling things that be not. But it's stepping out for the first time, and God will help you. You know, we want God to help us so we can step out. But what we do is step out, and then God helps us. We got to get that again. We want God to help us so we can step out. Well, he did help us. His name is Jesus. His name is Holy Ghost, and so he did help us, but we still have to be involved, and the Lord then, when you say, I'm going to step out, that's when it happens. I like what Dr. Cole always said. He says, decision is the place of power, that you don't have anything until you make a decision. Amen? Once you decide, then the power comes to enforce and to fulfill that decision. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. We got lots to do this morning. I don't know if we'll do it all. I've been trying to get to the end of this message now for three Sundays, and I just get, you know, wound up. We have new folks coming in, and we just, the Lord just starts, you know, and then I just mess around, you know, take the blame here. And so we don't ever get to this third part of this message, but I'm sure it'll, it'll hold if we don't get there this morning. We're pretty diligent over the clock on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Let's see. Message translation. Praise his name. Matthew chapter 11. Hallelujah. Find Matthew 11 for me. We'll read it out of the King James while Myron's looking that up. Verse uh, 28 says, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So he's saying there, get me in your life first. He says, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and so ye shall find rest unto your souls. Then he says, verse 30, he qualifies, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's put it in second person and let's, let's say that together. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Let's say it better. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen. So... Things that seem hard would be things then that we're not doing with him, that we're not in his yoke or it's not his burden. Well, I've just got a burden from the Lord. Well, it's a good thing then. 
Got it? Amen. Let's read it out of here. I don't even remember now what it says, but I, it says, uh, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. So our whole life here is not trying to get saved. I'm saved. I'm blood-bought. How about you? Born again, family of God, in with him. So I'm not trying to get, you know, favor from him and, and get him to like me or to approve of me. He already approved. He sent Jesus in advance and said, I approve. So I just accepted it. Like, Lord, I, I think you got some bad criteria here. I wouldn't approve of me, but you did, so I'm going to take advantage of the deal. You ever done that? I bought some CDs yesterday at Circuit City, and, and they argued with me, and I took her back there and showed her the sign, and she said, well, that was on sale last month, but since the sign is still there, we'll give them to you this, at this price. I took them. <laughs> well, they, you may not qualify. You may think in your own mind, I don't qualify right now for God's best, but just take it anyway. It's still on sale. <laughs> it's still a bargain. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Kings. Let's go to the old for a little bit. Uh, we've run into this scripture before in this, but we've never read it. Is there a conditioner on? Is it doing everything it knows how to do? Hallelujah. Don't let it rest. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we got this thing about... Uh, uh, just not right now, learning knowledge. You know, we, we are a church that believes in the Word and teaching the Word, and so we know some things about prayer and faith and, you know, getting the victory. But sometimes you just got to look at your life and say, I know a lot, but I'm stuck. Sometimes you just got to look at your life on the inside and say, I know a lot, but even in all my knowing, I'm stuck. Amen. I'm just stuck. It's these promises are there, and I know them, and I understand them to a, to a degree, but I'm not having the victory. My seed's not producing. My life's not opening. I got trouble in this, and I got opposition there, and, and how this happened, and, and we find we're stuck. We're just, we resist, just the first reaction to something. Like when Kevin this morning said, if, if y'all don't do it, I'm going to. I knew what he was saying. I knew what was coming. Unless he had some, something new, I knew at least what was coming. And so, you know, we had an opportunity there. And it doesn't mean it was yours. I'm just saying there's opportunities here. If you'd have ran at first church, well, you know, well, hallelujah. You know, yeah, you might have, yeah, you, they'd have, they'd have, they'd have, yeah, halfway around, they'd have showed you the door. <laughs> Son, we're glad you're leaving. <laughs> but here, we, we want to be free. We're not asking you to run. We're not asking you to, you know, to throw water. Got them gun shy now. Because we've thrown water a few times. Got some laminated pages in the, in the church now. Hallelujah. But if you're stuck, you can tell. How can you tell? By what yoke you're in and what burden you're carrying. That's how we know if we're stuck. We, got to, we get to look and say, this yoke I'm in, it's tough. It's hard. It, it, on the best days, on my best days, it's going to be mediocre. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. So you just need to know that his yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. And so if we're not in that yoke, it's not going to be easy. You can't get an easy yoke except in him. Yoke, yoke, you know, yoke are things that have two places. They're, they're, you know, it's one for Jesus, his yoke, and then you slip in on the side. You don't ever have to carry it alone. And then his burden is light. People are carrying burdens for people and things and events and, and assignments and stuff that God didn't give them, or at least they're out of timing. Have you ever been out of timing? 
You ever been, you know, God shows you something and just like a little idiot, I just said, well, that must be for tonight. And it was for 20 years or it was for 10 years. He wanted me to, you know, to align my life to head in this direction. But I started working on it that afternoon. And I was early and it was hard. It was out of timing. Y'all ever been out of timing? I don't know where y'all are this morning. Well, anyway, 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to read this. You know, really, I had y'all turn, but just listen to me because you know this story. Just listen to me read it out of the living. It won't do you any good to read it out of yours if I'm in here. But I want y'all to hear this because this man in the Bible was stuck, and he had a very customary response to someone says, I'm going to get you unstuck. He had, he had the, the, the down pat or the, what do you call it, the, the, the natural response of this is how we get unstuck around here. And he was wrong. It says the king of Syria had high admiration for Naaman, the commander-in-chief of his army, for he had led his troops to many glorious victories. So he was a great hero, but he was a leper. Bands of Syrians had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a little girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the little girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would lead him, he would heal him of his leprosy. Naaman told the king what the little girl had said. Go visit the prophet, the king said. I'll send a letter of introduction for you to carry to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out taking gifts of 20 grand in silver, 60 grand in gold, and 10 suits of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, this man bringing this letter in my, is my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, when the king of Israel read it, he tore his clothes and said, This man sends me a leper to heal? Am I God and that I can kill and give life? He's only trying to get an excuse to invade us again. But when Elisha the prophet heard about the king of Israel's plight, he sent his message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he'll learn that there is a true prophet of God here in Israel. So Naaman arrived with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's home. Elisha sent a messenger out to tell him to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times, and he would be healed of every trace of leprosy. But Naaman was angry and stalked away. Look, he said, I thought at least he'd come out and talk to me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and, uh, and heal me. Aren't the Abana River and the Parfar of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel put together? If it's rivers I need, I'll wash it home and get rid of my leprosy. Hello? <laughs> if, if God wants me to do something, let me, I got a better plan. He hadn't thought this thing through, but if he wants me, I could do this better. Guilty as charged. Okay, I am anyway. So he went away in a rage, but his officers, this is it right here, verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply to go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the prophet had told him to. And his flesh became as healthy as a little child's, and he was healed. Well, there's a point here, and it's not about leprosy. Because as we've said before, there is no medical thing that we know of that washing in a dirty river has a medicinal effect on this disease. In other words, it wasn't some secret formula that we can all just go get in a dirty river. That No, it had nothing to do with the river, did it? It had everything to do with Naaman 
conforming to the move of God that was fashioned just for him for just that moment. Absolutely. So we got we to flow. We got to flow where we could miss the miracle flow of God. In other words, we've been in a river. You know, thank God, thank God for churches like this and others that, that God opened a river and we came out of something that was stale and, and stagnant and had got stuck. And he raised up, just like in days gone by, raised up the Methodists that was in something that was hard and raised them up and they were fire people and they were Holy Ghost people. But, you know, they settled down since then. Y'all help me every chance you get. I, I, I need help up here. Amen. And so, you know, so he raises up different peoples to just keep it going. God's a keep it going God. And if someone says, I can't keep it going, he just looks over and says, we got some folks that will. How many of y'all will? You'll keep it going. It's not just about running. It's not just about doing a new thing for new things' sake. It's what does God want to do? Where's the river? People say, I'm right here, God. Come and bless me here. God says, I'm already blessing it over there. You move. That's how he thinks. I'm already doing my deal over here. You move over there, Lord. You know, over here at First Church, we just, just send it over here. Well, I've been, I've been one of many that's got some things from God and wanted to go back to my, my brethren and just take it because it was so glorious. And I loved my, my, my you know, those folks. And, but, you know, they weren't they wasn't ready. And they said if God wants to do it here, you know, we got, we got good pews. We got good microphones. He can do it here. It wasn't all about that stuff, was it? It's about the heart. So, you got to do what you can do so that you can have that which is out of reach. I'm going to say it again because this is, this is really important. You have to do what you can do so that you can have what is out of reach. You plant a seed sometimes when reciprocally thinking, you need to keep that seed because I got a bill up here that I cannot pay. And if I can get two or 300,000 seeds like this one to go with it, I could pay this bill. Or you can do something crazy. You can plant the seed. You can minister it and have nothing but have a hope of having everything. And so sometimes we have to do something contrary to our situation. We have to obey God, and it doesn't seem like it's on the right trail. It doesn't seem like this is going to be in the flow of what I need, but yet it produces. Yet it, it turns another way. Yet things come out that aren't related, and all of a sudden you're on the high side. I'll tell you, the fact, my wife and I, every good thing we've gotten from God that was out of, out of like, we couldn't do it ourselves, it came along these lines. We never just got smart enough. Oh, yeah, Lord, I, I'm just smart enough now. I can do this. Yeah, dumb, as a, dumb as a stump. Just, you know, just couldn't do it. But could hear him and do something natural. Could never get spiritual enough. Never could get, you know, holy enough and all that sort of stuff in the sense of doing something in the spiritual realm towards God because he's spiritual. But I could go do something natural. I could just do what he said to do that, that anybody could do, but I was willing to do it. And when I did it, even though anybody could have done it and anybody should have done it, yet it turned for me and it, their situation stayed the same. And I'll tell you, that's important to know. And if you get stuck, if you say, well, God delivered me, God helped me, God got me here based on this 10 years ago, and if, you know, I'm already ready for that. I can do that again. I'm up for that. 
You know, just big chance he's not going to go that way again because you might be stuck there. You might think you had a formula. You might think that was some sort of doctrine, and you'll start a denomination with it. Been done many times. God whole we got cults based on stuff like that that happened. God did something, and they said, "Woo, that's so cool. Let's build around that." And that what that wasn't the point. That was just an event on the way. Amen. So we've talked about this, but let's just say it again. If you're satisfied with all you see and all you have in your life, and if self really, if you think about it, what you think about all day is you. We're in the you generation right now. It's all about me. Used to be just children and teenagers. But now, you know, full-grown people. What? All about me. You talk to them about the Lord, it's all about me. Well, if you're there and if you've got your life planned out and what you think you got, your retirement here and you got this little setup here and you got your grand sugars over here and you got everything, all your ducks in a row, then you're probably not going to be a risk taker. You're probably not going to be interested in going down to the River uh, Jordan and getting all, you know, clean bath, you know, and had your best cologne on, you know, just it's going to wreck everything. You're probably going to just sit there and be stuck. But if you're like I am, and the things of God, you're not, you want to step out. You say, my life is a vapor. I am bought with a price. This life, I've, I've, I've squeezed it in enough ways to know that though I don't want to leave it prematurely, this isn't everything. There's hurts, there's sufferings, there's troubles, there's pressures. I don't have it even as good as I have it to the place where you'd say, this is heaven. If you're one of them, then you're going to be a risk taker. You're going to be willing to say, could I have another option? Could I, could, could I have a second opinion on life? Is there an upgrade to what I've been doing and how I've been living? You'll be willing to take a risk. I got a little article here, and I don't have time to do much with it, but it's, it's a, in a magazine I read, called, and it's called Risky Business, and it's talking about how we as Americans right now, we are consumed with risk. And that we have bought all kinds of insurances and made all sorts of provision to keep bad things from happening. In other words, to minimize trouble. We're in a society right now that is scared out of their liver. They are just, you know, they've got all kinds of insurances on top of their insurances. And here's what this man says. He says, we manage risk with Social Security, 401Ks, gated communities, burglar alarms, car alarms, life and malpractice insurance, insurance for vacations against trips, cancellations, interruptions or delays, medical emergencies, lost or sold in baggage, misconnections, and prenuptial packs. He says the, the Tony Kindergarten you enroll little Johnny in, as soon as you find a blue line in the result window of your home pregnancy kit, he said, uh, you, you start running down there and, and enrolling them because you might not have a spot. Um, going on, it says, this will give him an early edge in the risk game. Now, now he talks about this, and I, this is where I want to go. He said, in a scene from the TV movie Band of Brothers, which I have not watched, is this pep talk from an officer to one of his men who confessed to being paralyzed in the D-Day invasion, World War II. You know why, why you hid? You were scared. You hid in that ditch because you think there's still hope. But the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. And the sooner you accept that fact, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier supposed to function. Y'all, we're already dead. We're already, we're already bought with a price. You, you, you can't hold out. So you just, well, throw caution to the wind. You just, well, just get up in heaven and say, Boy, I made a, I was a ripper down there. I, I was, they, you know, I was a spectacle. 
And up there, they all say, man, I wish I had been, but I, I took out church insurance. I always sat in the same place where it was safe, and I always came in at this place and always left it. You know, just church insurance. You know, nobody criticized me going there, but had no fun. You know, they say, they, I've told this for years, but they, they polled centenarians, or however you say, people that are 100 years old, and they said, if you could change one thing in your life, what would you do? And almost a consensus, they all said, we would have taken more risk. They all said, we lived our life on the safe side, and it wasn't much fun. We wish we'd have got out there. I know my grandfather, he, he, when, in O'Donnell, Texas, he uh, had a place come up next to him, a half a section, 320 acres, and he could buy it for $7 an acre. And he had a half a, he had a, half a section, and, uh, you know, it's worth $1,000 an acre right now. And he could have bought this other half for $7. But, but him and, and my grandmother, real conservative, they said, oh, we, we just... We don't want to get out there. We don't want to take the risk. Hallelujah. So, so what happens when you're a risk taker is you start looking to react to opportunity. Say opportunity. You're, not just, you're just not content to say how life comes. We'll defend it. You know, if trouble comes, we'll, we'll defend it. We've got contingency plans. I got this policy, and I got this doctor lined up, and I got this medical thing lined up. We're not just content to just say, we're, you know, should trouble come, I'm ready for it. You know, that's a really pitiful way to live, to, to guard against life, to always be garrisoned against life. But on the other hand, we say, bless God, I think I'll go out and kick some devil hiney today. I believe I'll just find me some devils that are bothering the saints, and I believe I'll just go in there and cast them out. Well, I wouldn't do that. That makes the devil mad. Well, come on. Glad or mad, I have total dominion over him. On his best day, on his meanest day, I dominate him totally. you got to have a little attitude about you if you want a little spice in your life. If you want to have a little glory in the things of God, you're going to have to get out of your and move it. Like, like Eric told me, move it or lose it. I like that. That's a biblical term. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you're, you're going to start risking things to have opportunity for increase. Say increase. See, you were created for increase. You were made for increase. You were made to reproduce, and you were made to increase. Seed time and harvest is all over you, inside and out. That's why it's natural and easy for a believer to give, because that's who we are. And to lead, we are the leaders. Don't let a sinner ever stand up in your presence and say, I'm going to lead you, in the sense that he, he is dumber than dirt concerning the plan and will of God, which you totally adhere to, live by, and, and, and uh, uh, risk all to find. We're a new breed, y'all, but not new and peculiar. It's just, this is the way it's always supposed to have been and the way it's always supposed to be. And even then, we're not there. But we got some, you know, we got us a heading here, a compass thing that says we ought to, we, we're going somewhere. Amen? So I start risking everything in, in order to get in the anointing. I sit on the front row. If I went to a church, I would bribe the pastor. I'd cut his grass, wash his car, you know, put an offering in his pocket. And then I'd ask him, can I sit on the front row? I'd get there somehow. I know not all y'all want the front row. But you're wrong. The perfect church would be just to be circular and everybody was on the front row. The Baptists would come in and they wouldn't know what to do. They'd right? like, what am I going to do? We'd put one chair behind them and they'd say, and say that's the back row. 
No, I'm serious. We ought, we ought the glory and the anointing. You ought to get as close to it as often as you can. Now, this is the preacher's perspective, and you may go, he's a little weird, and I am. A little radical? Absolutely. But I tell you, just follow me. Just follow me and see if it doesn't do better than what you're doing. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, just real quickly. This is why we never get to the new message. <laughs> it's really a good one, too. I've had it three weeks. I've added so much to it now it could stand on its own. Hallelujah. First Peter, we looked at this, chapter 1, verse 13. But we've got to have this to go somewhere. It says in verse 13, wherefore, are you there? First Peter 1, 13, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. We looked at this in many versions, and we found out that in the NIV, it says, set your mind for action. Let's say that together. Set your mind for action. It also means in the Beck, get mentally ready for action. The Philip says, brace up your minds. Uh, the message says, put your mind in gear. You know, we tell that to our kids. Get your mind, put your mind in gear, son. Now, the contemporary says, be alert and think straight. The Weymouth says, prepare your minds. So God wants you to get ready for action. He wants you to gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, get unstuck. Get out of the way you've been thinking, the way you've been going. It's been a good way. Many times it's not like you were in a rut, you were in a bad place. But now what was good to get you there is old and tired. It's not fresh. It can't, it's wore out. It can't take you any further, though it was a great way to get to where you were. It was awesome. Woo, got the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I'm, yeah. But you know, now you got to move on. You can't live in that historical fact that back in 1980, you got something from God. Thank God. It'll still carry you. But that's not the end of it historically. Spoken tongues back in 82. Well, what'd you do yesterday? We got to do something. We got to get so that if somebody needs raising from the dead, Amen. we're on it. And you go, well, that's for somebody else. Well, who? Who, who, who is going to raise the dead? Well, we'll call Brother Roberts. We'll call Brother... You. No, that, raising from the dead is kind of that thing. It's contemporary. It's got to be done soon. And, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's like now. We need now help. And it's not always someone that's died that needs raising from the dead. Sometimes someone's marriage or someone's... You know, it's just things that you have the answer to... But if you're not ready, if you're not ready, I've been there when I wasn't ready. And the opportunity to, to change the course of something got away from me. Anybody had it get away from you? Yeah, we have. It got away. And then you regret it and saying, oh, God, if you'll let me do it again, if you'll let it happen again, I'll be there. So God's got suddenlies. We've talked about how church ought to be a time, it ought to be a, a, a congregation where we bring our victories and our testimonies and what happened, and we come in not just to soak, oh, just, pastor, do something for me. You know, I'm about to fall out. You know, I'm so weak and so tired. We ought to come in here, bless God, I've had so many testimonies, he'll not dare call on me because it would take the whole service. Just write them down and send them in. That's, we gather together, and we're pumped. We're ready. Not, not in our soul only, not in our emotions, but we've seen the gospel, and it is true. We've seen the report of what Jesus said, and it was absolutely heavenly. Well, once you've seen it, now listen to me. Once you've seen it, you don't ever want to go back. 
You might be drugged back. You might be for it. But you, once you've been healed in your body, once you've got a healing in your body, you, 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 are, you are kind of vigilante about, you know, let's load up and go get a bunch of tests. What God did once, let's just show out again. So you get this aggressive thing in you. Not aggressive towards God in the sense of, because he's always been the same place. You know, we're not getting God pumped in these days. He's always been on go. But, and we're not even mad at the devil because he's always been under our feet. But what we're doing is we're finding out who he is in us. We're finding out, I was a late model, high-powered, engineered from heaven thing, and I didn't even know it. Can cast out devils, can raise the dead, can speak to the mountain. Tornado? Got a tornado? No problema. In the name of Jesus, rise up, split, go around. In Jesus' name. And just go about your stuff. And it's, it'll happen. It'll, it'll happen. I heard Keith Moore, he was on a tape that probably some of y'all got, but he talks about that where, where as, an air, as a pilot, he flies to his meetings that they would see on the radar that there was trouble and they would just speak to it. And he said, every time it would either split or it would rise up. And they'd just fly through it. Well, Keith Moore, who is he? He's just Jesus bought just like you and me. And he has nothing that we don't have. Amen? Amen. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4 because we're going we're gonna to make a dash for it. Hallelujah. We're going to get part of it in today. But the power's in the first time. Now, I, last, last Sunday, uh, I was in Clanton at Living Word. Uh, had a great time. Had a great time. But they were a little bit stuck. I had to run four times Sunday morning and just stand there and say, I'm going. <laughs> Get in line. <laughs> but I tell you, once they got their crank, you know, once they got the spring loaded, well, here they go. Well, what about running? Well, what about it? The, the, here's the thing is running is nothing. It doesn't even look good. I tell you, running doesn't even look that good. Some of us look better in runs than others. I am not one of them. I have seen myself in my mind's eye, and I, got, I, 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 I try not to look into that place. It ain't pretty. What about it? Well, the fact is, anything that holds you back, holds you back. If you're held back in any area, an anchor is an anchor is an anchor. You can't go in any area. I want to be free. And it's not that I want to run. It's not that. It's just that. Look, but, but the fact is, is I can run. I can run. Don't have to. Don't even. Listen. Don't even want to. But when the devil double dog dares you. Says you can't run again. It's like. Okay, I see that dare, and I run. Hallelujah. I just take off. Hallelujah. Woo! Bounce off the wall. Well, hallelujah. Okay, okay, we're going to run. Come on, we're going to run. Oh, we're going to do something we ain't never done before. Hallelujah. Shortcut, shortcut, shortcut. Hallelujah. Well, it's just, it's just that we can. Hallelujah. Go, girl. Praise God. Well, what did that do, and why did y'all do that in church? This isn't proper. Hallelujah. 
You know, they got all cranked up. Uh, Brother Eric was telling me yesterday. You know, they got all cranked up at Jesus because he healed on the wrong day. Well, you ought not to do that in church. Where would you like us to do it? Come to your house and get in the front yard? Blow the horn so everybody comes out? And we'll all run around your front yard. Would that be okay? Proper. Secular. Saturday. We can do it. But we can do it in church, too. i got to start running. Hallelujah. It says in 2 Timothy, are you there? Chapter 4. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. So we're having some instruction here that it's not enough just to do it eventually, that the timing is important. And I have found about my own life, judge yourself, that if I think about something long enough, I can usually work up a pretty good list of why that's not good. I can, I, I'm real creative. I can just about every time exit off and say, you know, we're not going to do that. Something about the anointing on the moment that leaves your mind out and causes you to do things that you would never do if you had a full council meeting with your head. We ain't going to do that for sure. And what if they come? And what if they see? And what if they... And all of a sudden, the what-ifs just bury you. And he said, be instant here. We looked at that word, and, and it, meant, uh, uh, it meant to stand by, be ready, be present, and in place. It means to come in suddenly. Say suddenly. suddenly. So all of a sudden, your head is not connected. Listen, church, Christians are way too well connected with their head to live by faith. We, we have way too much influence from the head. We ought to have just enough in our head to kind of, for people to identify us. Hey, there's Paul. You know, he's seven foot nine and still growing or whatever. You know, we recognize him. But, but other than that, not really putting a lot of weight on what you know, but putting a whole lot of weight on what you can believe and what you can obey. Lord, if you'll talk to me, you can consider it done. It's a blank check as far as I'm concerned. I will do it, just, I've signed it, just fill in the amount. You want me to run 10 times? God, just, we can run 12 if you like it. And, and we're not looking at these scriptures, but it's really important for you to be instant. Say, I'm instant. You ought to be instant. And he said there's two ways to be instant. One is to be instant in season. And we talked about how it, in season means it's you expect something. It's the harvest time. This is when it normally happens, and you are instant in it. It's like it's coming, and I'm ready for it. I've prepared for it. I'm going to see it in. But then he says instant in season and out. This is what gets most Christians, is they say, I can do what God does when he does it in a season, but otherwise, I'm on my own. In other words, the company's cutting back, and you're believing God for a raise. That's out of season. Where, you know, they're laying off folks everywhere. And you're going in there, bless God, I need a raise. <laughs> or whatever. You know what I'm talking about out of season? Where you don't have any reasonable, natural expectation of God being able to move through conventional means. He's got to have a demonstration. It's going to have to be a miracle. Well, the church hadn't been willing to go there. God, the church has been willing to go with that. God helps me in the natural place. He'll talk to my boss. He'll do, you know, we don't believe none of that. When it happens, we just think the boss just had a 
you know, he just did something for us out of whatever. We don't give God the glory for it. God really wants you to be instant out of season. He wants to show out. He wants to puff heaven. He wants to, he wants to make his name known, and he wants to get a place in the earth to get it known. I need miracles sometimes. Amen. Do you need miracles? Do you need miracles, sir? Well, we can't all, you know, you could, get, you could get a certain education, a certain upbringing, a certain whatever that would disqualify you from anything, naturally speaking. Well, just be Mr. Educated and Mr. On the Right Side of the Tracks and Mr. M- Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome and everything and just believe God like you're a nobody. I'm telling you, he'll do it. Well, um, the paraphrase to this is, this is this. To be complete and fitted and specially equipped for whatever will come, I charge thee, Timothy, to be instant in season, out of season, and to be ready and on standby to act instantly and suddenly, listen, to the opportunities that are both expected and those that will come outside of due time. That is cool. Say, I'm instant. In season, out of season. See, you got to be on standby. See, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Your help cometh from the Lord. And it comes now. It's a curse. It was a curse in the Old Testament to have slow harvests and to have small harvests. I'm, on, I'm not under the curse. How about you? Now, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 28 and go fast. Now, this instant in season and out, when's the last time you did something for the first time in money? See, we've just broken every rule this morning. Now we've talked about that M word. That money in church, we should have stepped out. But God's interested in your money. One-sixth of the New Testament talks about money. We must need help. Much more about salvation, getting delivered. God talks about money all the time. Because, you know, once you get saved, that's the main thing you're going to deal with, is you're going to deal with relationships with the opposite sex. That's going to consume much of your life. You're going to deal with communication. How you give yourself and receive from others is going to be a major issue in your life. And number three, money. Three issues that you deal with once you get saved. Now, once you, until you get saved, thunder, who cares? Get saved. But once you get saved, that's what you're going to deal with in life. Boy, that's good preaching, Pastor. Just hit it over the fence. Just do the best you can. Okay, here we go. Proverbs 28, 20, what does it say? 28, 20. Verse 20 says, I hope it's there. Hey, let's read it together. First part, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. So in season means that you are consistently sowing seed. Your life is dependable. It is fixed. And there's a return. There's a God gets in the help that you ha- give him when you are consistent. In other words, when you bring the tithe, when you are just, you always show up in church with a seed. I know some of y'all, and I'll just get out there and say, some of y'all don't like to say, because I've, I've asked y'all to consider sowing in every offering which is so unconventional, so out of the mainstream, just great you that some man would tell you that every time you come to church, put something in the offering. But there's a real principle behind this. It's not all about money. It's certainly not all about, you know, getting more money in the church. <laughs> we fooled them. We got the more money just by... Te- no, it has... That, that can't do... We can't do that. A consistent man, a faithful man, will abound with blessings. So if you just put a dime, if you just put a dollar, if you just put something in there, it's that the action of you giving naturally causes you to have a reaction of receiving. When your hand is extended 
every time you come to church, then by, by default, you have to, what do you call that, unextend, or you have to retract your hand to receive. And if you never do put it out there, well, I just tithe once a month, we just give on the first. Well, one time you're out there and one time you're pulling back. It could be you're missing 12 opportunities of 13 services in a month. Could be. Who could know? Even if you split up your giving. Well, I give my tithe and I give $50 a month. Well, split it up if you need to, just so you can give $3 every time or whatever, so you can extend it. A faithful man will abound with blessing. Well, if you're already doing that, maybe you're not fresh in it. Maybe you ought to go from $5, go to 6 and just kind of twist it up. You know, one Sunday morning, we had everybody just turn around and go to another seat. And there was a $50 bill under one seat. Maybe it was Wednesday night. Boy, it even pays to sit down in the right place around here. 50 bucks. Matthew 25. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're talking about sowing in season. We're talking about, first of all, being instant in season. That when you come to church or when you meet somebody that you're, that you're instant, you're already thinking, do I have something that they should have in God? Should, could, can I speak a word? Can I minister finances? Can I offer encouragement? What, what do I? I'm instant. If there's somebody standing in front of me, I'm going to be instant. I'm in church, I'm looking for an opportunity. I'm instant in season. Are y'all getting this this morning? And it says in, in Matthew 25, we cannot read the whole thing, but verse 14 says, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants, delivered unto them his goods. One he gave five, one he gave two, and one he gave one, we know that. But verse 15 says, oh yeah, that's what it says. And to every man according to his several ability. That word is the word dunamis, and it's also translated in other places, capacity. Capacity. Say capacity. capacity. So this, this man, each one of these servants was given according to what they had proven in the in-season times. They'd not ever had an opportunity to go out and start their own business. But guess what happened? When the master came back, he said, man, you that had five, you did real good. You doubled. I'm going to give you your own business. Take off. The man that had two, same thing. But the man that had one, you can read the story out of church. The one that had one, he said, take it away from him. Didn't even say, you think we're not going to do it. He said, take it away from him. Give it to the man that has ten. So when you're faithful, there is a progression. There is a, there is a flow from being faithful and being instant in season. I need a better amen to go on. Amen. You got to get faithful in what's in front of you. You got to get consistent in what you know to do. What is expected from God that's just a precursor to what else he has, you got to get it down. You got to get it down where in season it's just there. Y'all help me. Don't be distracted. Then there's this other thing. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. We're going to get this in this morning. See, these guys developed, through consistent, faithful stewardship, they developed a capacity for blessing. A capacity for blessing. Let's say that together. A capacity for blessing. It doesn't matter what God already has sent your way. If you couldn't hold it, you were Teflon-coated. It hit you and bounced off. 
and you couldn't hold it. So you saw it, you almost had it, but doggone, the devil steals it, or it just can't, you don't have a capacity. The devil gets way too much credit for a lot of this stuff. It's not even him sometimes. It's just you didn't develop anything. You couldn't hold it. Oh, God, send me $10,000. Well, we, he's going to look in your checkbook and qualify like you would hire somebody. You'd check the references. What'd they do for you? What, what are you doing now? Oh, drugging and thieving and carrying on? I believe we'll pass on you. Well, it's, God has to see. It says in Genesis chapter 26. I, we may talk about this again, but we're going to get it in. Verse 12. Is that right? No. One through three, we'll try there. Well, I'll just have to tell y'all. There was a, no, I'll read it. There was a famine in the land, the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went into Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him and said, Go not down into Egypt, but dwell in the land. Sojourn in this land, and I'll be with you, and will bless you, for unto thee and thy seed, na 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 na. In verse 12, it says, Isaac sowed in that land, and received the same in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man waxed great, went forward, and grew until he became very great, for he had possessions of flocks, excuse me, possessions of herds, and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. So you got to be ready out of season. Nobody had ever in a famine stayed in the famine and sowed seed. You might stay in the famine and send your boys down to Egypt and bring back, but nobody had ever sowed in the famine. You can eat the seed, but if you sow in the famine, you wouldn't eat the seed and you wouldn't get a crop either. Are y'all with me this morning? So he was out of season. It wasn't the season to sow seed, but when Isaac heard, sow it here, he was instant. He immediately went out and said, boys, we're not grinding this. We're not going to eat cupcakes this week. We're going to sow this into the dry, parched ground that, that's right here. And the Bible says that he reaped a hundredfold in that year. But you know, here's the whole story. You can't get that opportunity. That window will not open unless you are just faithful, to do to do just down the line. I'm doing nothing exciting. I'm doing nothing that's, that's extraordinary. I'm just planting my seed, loving God, singing the songs in worship, being a blessing to somebody that sits in my seat. <laughs> Don't you know nothing? That is my seat. I'm just letting them do it. And all of a sudden, the instant in season kicks you over to that greater place, the instant out of season. Now, if you can't move it when it's obvious, you won't be there. You won't be there spiritually when the, 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 the secret things of God come into your life. But I'm telling you, that's where the blessing is. That's where the glory is. That's where the unexpected is. That's where the demonstrations are. Woo! Praise God! I love it. Woo! Yes! You just got to do that every once in a while to keep everybody happy. I got a second bullet in the chamber. <laughs> Hallelujah. What do we care? What do we care? Listen, if it stays the same, it'll stay the same. Now, if you're happy with the same, we got a program for you, but it's not here. But if we want more... If we looked into God's holy word and see, he says, there's more. And you look in there and said, it hadn't happened to me. God, when are you going to change? How many of y'all know that may not work? 
It could be that you have to adjust. Well, I still don't want to run. You don't have to run. But if that's what's going on, you just have to get in the instant in season. I don't want to run. Show me, Lord, do you have anything else up there to do? You know, could we have something a little more dignified? Could I just move my legs in my seat? Could I hum? It would be a start. But we can't negotiate in these things. And I've told you all before, we have a 100% survivor rate of running. We have lost nobody. Everybody has come back alive. So until we start bringing body bags up here, you can probably say, I think I can run. So when's the last time you did something for God for the first time financially? You say, what's this going on? I don't know. This isn't between me and God, me and them, or them and... This is just what people are doing to respond to what's inside, to get a door open. They go through one door naturally to be positioned for the great door spiritually. You can't see it from here. You've got you to relocate, and so you've got to move. And so for some people, moving is running. For some people, it's shouting. I run and shout. I run clockwise, run counterclockwise. It's just like, okay, what can we do here for the first time? What can I do that's never been done? Well, you can think it up. You can sit there and go, well, I'm thinking about this, but really, it just comes to you. It just wells up into you. And if you don't do it on Sunday morning, I have found, experientially, you have a real rough Sunday afternoon trying to get back so you can do it what you didn't do that morning. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I should have run, but I never, I couldn't get untracked, and I could and that big boy ran in front of me, and I couldn't get, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want him running over me if he got behind me or something. You know, you just, you just go home with this crazy stuff, but when the bottom line's there, you go, I should have been in there. Well, what happens after you've run? You just know that you know. You just know that you know. I can do the next thing. Because that was tough for me. It may have looked like running to you, but it was a mountain. Remember speaking in tongues for the first time? Remember raising your hands the first time? Oh, my word, Lord Jesus, don't ask me to lift my hands. It seems trite now, but I remember. Big deal. Big deal. We're lifting our hands in church. Are we surrendering? Are we asking for, you know, a potty break? What are we doing here? What, are, what is going on? But once they went up, it's like, I can do this. I can do this. I'm the man. Lift them hands at will. And that's it right there. Is once you've run, you can take the next step at will. It's the first time. It's the first step that's the hardest. Woo, thank you, Lord. Let's get up and let's just shout a little bit. Let's, let's adjust ourselves just a little bit. Hallelujah! Glory! Oh, you're awesome in this place, my Lord. You are awesome in this place. We worship you, Lord. We magnify you, my King, my God, my Lord. Oh, I magnify you, Lord. I give you praise and thanks. Oh, you're awesome, Lord. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. Lord, I can back it up. Every head bowed this morning, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're in